Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's season finale episode, Fox News correspondent and friend of the show, Harris Faulkner, shares her thoughts on the importance of finishing the season and women in the Super Bowl. Also, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Talon Graff, Mitch Carney, and I break down a crushing defeat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, what was your biggest takeaway from Sunday's loss? It really, the the coaching staff um, in Kansas City, they, they kind of collectively failed to make, I guess, the necessary adjustments to win the game. Just beyond the, the general game plan that they went into the game with, uh, they just didn't figure out a way when they're in the game there uh, to, to kind of counter whatever it was that the Buccaneers were doing and doing so well at the time. But, um, I mean, after going back and really watching the tape offensively, Chiefs didn't really want to or try to get away from what they'd been doing so successfully all season long, which was attacking teams deep outside the numbers or across the field when they press, and then attacking the boundary or the middle of the field when they play off or zone. Um, Buccaneers came out and, and played a lot of zone coverage on, on early downs and then a two-man look on, on third down. I mean, the Chiefs basically after the game came out and said, well, we didn't really expect that at all. They thought they were going to play a lot of man. They thought they were going to blitz heavily. Um, and, and it was really kind of a completely different uh, look from what they expected. So kudos to Todd Bowles on that one because he <laughs> I mean, he really tricked uh, the offensive coaching staff uh it, 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 maybe it was what they had done earlier in the season, I think, that informed the Chiefs, okay, they're going to try to do this again. Uh, but they really changed things up on them. And uh, the few times the Chiefs did try to adjust, and, and they, they did try to adjust. Let's get that out of the way. They, they did a couple things to try to adjust, but things just stalled out on them. They uh, tried to run a few screen passes, but the offensive line couldn't execute the blocks. Um, they, they didn't really run much in the way of mesh or, or try to shorten the passing game at all. And I think that was a big failure. They tried to run the ball and they had some success there. In fact, I believe every scoring drive, they had a big run from Clyde Edwards, the Um, but they, they fell into such a hole there. Um, you know, by, by the end of that second quarter, it felt like when they came back out, they decided their best shot was just to pray that Mahomes could connect on some of these magical throws and that he's become known for over the years, and that just didn't happen either. And uh, defensively, I mean, look, the group was essentially castrated by the officiating crew, and I'm not blaming the refs here. Blame the coaching staff for, for not doing a better job preparing for this because you know from the regular season – that Carl Cheffers and his crew are very ticky-tacky with their calls. And they call a lot of penalties, specifically when they're officiating games uh, against the Chiefs. So prepare your guys for that. Coach up the fundamentals. Get them to lean on their footwork and their eyes uh, instead of, of so much grabbing, so much hand-fighting down the field. And, uh, look, defensive execution just wasn't where it needed to be on Sunday. There's no uh, no way around it. Coverage in the secondary was tight, but it was too grabby. The run defense, it wasn't good enough. 
they also didn't get home with their blitzes and they failed to pressure Tom Brady. And we know that if you can't get to Tom Brady, he's going to dice up your defense. And, and that's exactly what he did. So um, the, the defense, it just wasn't good enough. I, I'm not sure, you know, what what all they could have done differently other than maybe a couple things just going their way. Um, you know, obviously the interception with Tyron Matthew being called back, that was huge. The fact that the offense couldn't come back and capitalize after um, the, the team got off the field on that fourth down uh, by the goal line, that was kind of a big momentum breaker for the team. And then the penalties just started to kind of mount up and um, it, it just became too difficult. Now, I, I've seen a lot of stories and a lot of thoughts about how this game has kind of exposed the Chiefs, how teams are going to like look at what the Buccaneers did and they're going to attack the Chiefs in the same way. But I, I don't really feel that way. I think what it did expose was a lot of the weaknesses that this team had specifically coming into this game. Obviously, we always had questions about the run defense this season. That's been kind of a weak spot. It's been a weak spot for the Chiefs for a while, which is kind of disappointing because it seems like they've, you know, made some some moves to kind of try and address that, but it just hasn't gotten much better. Uh, linebackers and coverage again, something I've been talking about to to uh, managing editors with other sites all season. You get some of these guys like Ben Neiman isolated on a running back in coverage, well, you're going to win that matchup. There's no way around it. You're just going to win it. And then um, the lack of a third receiving threat. I mean, that's something that that we've known about for a long time. We've been wanting, you know, is it going to be Byron Pringle? Is it going to be Michael Hardman? Is it going to be Demarcus Robinson? Who's going to step up and, and be that guy? Um, is it going to be Sammy Watkins? I mean, it's been him in the past, but it certainly wasn't him on Sunday. Um, so that was, was very apparent. And then the lack of quality offensive line depth. Look, you're, you're not going to win many games with four, uh, replacement guys on the offensive line. It it just, it it doesn't work that way. It's hard to build chemistry on the fly. Um, these guys have chemistry. They do. Uh, it just, it wasn't enough for this game. I think it exposed the, the coaching staff, um, the, the offensive line staff, and their confidence uh, in this group, too. I mean, they should have had the foresight to know that the limitations of their offensive line combo. Um, yeah, they should have been able to know that a bit better uh, heading into the game. I mean, you watch the tape. They really struggled to block the B gap and the A gap against against the pass rush. And, um, you know, that speaks to to um, to experience and not having enough repetitions playing next to each other. Right. Because. You know, you go for your pass set and you're expecting a guy to to go outside or you're expecting a guy to, you know, come come and blitz from the linebacker area. And you're not looking for a guy to split, you know, the B gap or, or the A gap um, the way they did. And, you know, if someone doesn't pick up that that gap, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have pressure in your face, which Mahomes did on uh, on Sunday. So, um, look, the, the Chiefs, they believed in their guys. Like Andy Reid still believes in the guys who he put out there and the coaching staff still believes in their guys. They stuck to their guns, but that hurt them in the end Um, instead of, you know, coming up with a plan. okay, well, what if, you know, we struggle to uh, to to pass block? What what if they get a lot of pressure? What can we do to adjust to that and do so on the fly? They just had the confidence to go out there and say, "Hey, these guys—they're gonna—they're gonna go out there and play. They're gonna—they're gonna pass block, you know, 
uh, lots of, of five-man protections. Not as much as some people are saying. I mean, obviously, they left some guys in there to chip and, and whatnot. But they did have a lot of five-man protections. They left a lot of these guys on on an island thinking that they were good enough to get the job done. They clearly, uh, they clearly weren't prepared and ready to do that. So, um, I mean, that group, a lot of those guys uh, are, are free agents. I think some of them probably could be brought back. Um, the, the ones that, you know, obviously that I'm looking at, um, right now, specifically Nick Allegretti. I mean, he's someone that you got to have him learn and grow from this because he's going to be a contributor for a couple of years down the line here, either his depth, um, or, uh, uh, you know, potentially as a starter. So he's someone that, you know, he, he's got to come back and, and bounce back from this, learn from this, get himself better this off season and, and attack it again next year. Because he had, he had a rough game. Um, really, basically everyone had a rough game. I know I was looking at some of the PFF grades here. and I mean, it, was a tough, it was a tough one all around. Uh, they they didn't, didn't have a great one. I feel like uh, Stefan Wisniewski probably had the best grade, but even he had a tough game. Um, so, look, the Chiefs aren't hopefully going to have to start four backups on the offensive line in a Super Bowl again. Um, but this tells you they, they need to get better there. They need to find better depth there um, and, and maybe even better starters there being that, you know, they got the injuries to Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz, their futures are up in the air. So that'll something be something that has to be addressed. And, you know, the other things that I mentioned, the third receiving threat, uh, lack of, of, of uh, linebackers uh, ability in run defense and coverage. Um, defensive line depth. They're, they're going to have to address these things in free agency and uh, in the offseason. It's going to be challenging for Brett Veach, but he's uh, done a good job doing that in the past. You know, I think uh, nothing is more glaring and significant than a Super Bowl loss to tell you that, hey, we need to get better in some of these places or we're not going back. So um, I, I think that they will do that and they will uh, do a good job of that. We'll just have to see how the uh, how the offseason plays out. Are you surprised at the questionable holding calls against the Chiefs defense? Yeah, not really. Um, like I said earlier, the, the Chiefs should have known that Carl Cheffers and his crew were going to call the game the way they did. They have all the history right there in front of them to look at. I mean, his crew is called the most penalties of any games uh of any crew against the Chiefs this season. And uh, look, I think it's the uh, loser's anthem, right, to complain about officiating to an extent. But there are some legitimate gripes and a few things that you can be mad about in this one. I mean, I think, first of all, the disparity between the way that the AFC title game, NFC title game, and the Super Bowl were officiated was very apparent. Right, the NFL, their their number one goal with officiating is to try and create parity, right? To to have every game officiated the same. Uh, but officiating in this game, it wasn't to that standard. And I think anyone without a rooting interest who was watching the game w- would tell you that. I mean, a lot of people that was their big take uh, a takeaway after the game. Um, second, I mean, the Chiefs deserved a lot of those penalties, if not all of them. I mean, a, a lot of those holding penalties, yeah, sure, they were holding. Obviously, there were a couple of them uh, that was questionable. Was it a catchable pass? Was it this? Was it that? And I think they kind of left that aside, left that off the table. 
just saw the the holding and just called it without taking that into account, which we know you you can't do. That's, you know, that's on the officials. But um, I I also felt like a lot was left uncalled on the Buccaneers, especially defensively. Notably, uh, Nadamakong Sue punching Patrick Mahomes in the face on, you know, a sack. Mahomes even appealed to the officials and they did nothing. They didn't even give Sue a, a verbal warning, as far as I can tell, as far as I'm aware. So uh, on my rewatch, there were a number of bang-bang plays that happened where it felt like the Bucks maybe got there a little early defensively, and, and like there should have been a flag by the standard that the Chiefs were being held to throughout the course of the game. Now, basically, the Bucks were allowed to play as physical as they wanted to, and, and it felt like the Chiefs weren't, and that's troubling to me. I think the competition committee is going to have a long talk about all of this in the off season. Um, and obviously I don't think, um, I, I, I don't think, you know, nothing's going to come of it. Obviously they're not going to reverse the outcome of the game or anything like that. But uh, I think it's something that they're going to discuss something that they're going to have to address. And, um, you know, obviously they, they don't want the talk of the Super Bowl being officiating. And it largely was after the conclusion of the game. There was a lot of talk about officiating. So whenever that happens, you know something's wrong um, and, and that you have to do a better job. And, and I hope they will do that moving forward. But, uh, you know, as we've seen in the past with, with controversial calls and issues with um, with officiating, you know, really it's it, – just ends up in the past and there's not a whole lot that that gets done about it so uh, I'd, I'd hold your breath a little bit on that one uh, but yeah I mean obviously uh, it's disappointing that that there were so many penalty flags against the Chiefs and I, I think you know to some extent that the players and the coaching staff they're gonna have to own that and work on ways to get better this offseason because of it how do you believe Sunday's loss will affect Patrick Mahomes legacy moving forward yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt in the long run. Um, instead of a quarterback who led his team to back-to-back Super Bowls and potentially back-to-back wins, the narrative is uh, is shifting about Mahomes. I mean, he still has more interceptions than touchdowns in Super Bowls now. So he's really, I mean, when you look at it, he's really played two of his worst games in his career in the Super Bowl. So that's obviously concerning as a fan and um you know, I mean, we know that the Chiefs are always going to have a shot to get back to the Super Bowl as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of this team. But the outside now has this new narrative that they can spout out on about, you know, Mahomes maybe being a, a bit of a Super Bowl choker, right? Um, that maybe he's not as good in, in the Super Bowl uh, as as he is in other games. So... That's going to be frustrating, and the Chiefs are going to kind of have to, you know, I mean, fans are going to have to live with that. So, um, and then just as it relates to Tom Brady and the whole GOAT situation, I mean, it's just that much harder now to say that Brady is going to, quote-unquote, pass the torch, right? Um, With two Super Bowl wins, Mahomes would have had, what, a third of the wins that, that Brady would have had? But instead, now he's only still got the one Super Bowl win. Brady's got the seven. Uh, so catching up in terms of rings, it's going to be that much harder. And uh, look, it, it, who knows if Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are going to play again, right? Or, are they going to meet again in the Super Bowl next year? They're not going to play in the regular season. Um, 
you know, will Tom Brady be around four seasons from now when they play again in the regular season? I, I, you know, there's no telling. Uh, will he be the same player even, you know, at four seasons from now? Uh, obviously, he's 43 years old. But um, it's just, uh, it, it's going to be tough um, for for Mahomes' legacy. I, I think that, you know, obviously, look, it, the future is still very, very bright for him. Uh, but just as it relates to, to this whole competition of, and going back and forth uh, between him and Brady, um, it, it's just not going to be a, a good thing for, for him. Do you believe Tom Brady is indeed the greatest of all time? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how you can't recognize him as, as the GOAT in our sport. I even did before, you know, this game. But, I mean, the fact that he's just done this so many times now and, and that he's been able to do it with another team and not just the New England Patriots and in his first year with that team, I mean, that's just special. I, there's no no way around it. You just don't see that type of thing happen very often. I mean, even Peyton Manning, you know, look at him. It took him a season to get adjusted to his new squad in Denver before going to Super Bowl 50. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it's so rare uh, and special and you can't help but respect it um, and what he's been able to accomplish in his career. Um, and, and honestly, I'm excited to see what comes next for him and that Tampa Bay team. I mean, they were flat-out dominant in the Super Bowl. Uh, they were the better team, and they were exciting and fun to watch. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, there's going to be some some new faces in the, the NFL, new, new faces, uh, quarterbacks with new teams and – what not next season? I'm excited to see what uh, the the NFC kind of looks like, what the complexion of it looks like, and uh, whether or not Tom Brady can do it again. And for the last time this season, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, of course. Um, first, I just want to congratulate the entire uh, Chiefs Wire team on the season. Um, just an incredible 2020 NFL season. The work that all of our contributing writers um, have put in, it's just phenomenal. And uh, I'm so excited to see what's in store for the future for for our crew that we have here at Chiefs Wire. Um, obviously, there's a ton of content on the site recapping the loss uh, in the Super Bowl. But if that is not your jam, if you're still kind of um, hurting from that one, uh, we have a bunch uh, of stories and all the latest news from, from Britt Reid's car accident to... Um, Marty Schottenheimer's passing, uh, rest in peace, Marty. And uh, a couple stories to, to check out, uh, I guess, uh, Talon Graf. Okay, he did a really great job uh, recapping several of uh, Marty Schottenheimer's most memorable, memorable games with the Chiefs. Um, I wrote up an article uh, recently on four potential candidates uh, for the Chiefs' new vacancy at running back coach. Uh, running back coach Dylan McCullough, he's leaving the team to go uh, coach at Indiana, the university, uh, excuse me, Indiana University, the Hoosiers uh, again. And uh, so we have a vacancy at running back coach. We have someone who's going to come in and work with uh, Damian Williams, Clyde Edwards-Solaire next year, and whoever else is in that backfield next year. Um, and I'll say pay attention to the first name on that list, guys. I think he's uh, uh, probably a top candidate uh, for that for that job and uh yeah so i just wanted to um before we go here i wanted to take some time 
and talk about my friend Therese Paler. Uh, I think that that everyone can tell just by the reaction to his passing how beloved he was and and how sorely he'll be missed. Um, He was a masterful, masterful storyteller. Very literally the best of us at doing that. Um, Therese, he he treated everybody the same, (laughs) no matter uh, if you were a nobody journalist or the star quarterback of a team. He just had a way about him. And uh, that was why he was so good at what he did. He knew how to relate to people, and he did so in the very best way. And uh, he taught me that just being yourself, being genuine, was the uh, best way to grow as an interviewer, as a writer, and as a journalist. And uh, I'm heartsick, but I am so glad to have known him uh, for the brief time that I did. Go Chiefs, and uh, rest easy, Therese. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back once again. This is the Original format of the Chiefs Wire Roundtable, Matt Easton, Mitch Carty, Talon Graf. Now, the energy isn't as high as it was, uh, how can I say, maybe a week ago, when not only did we have this, this format with the uh, roundtable, but just the show in general, because as you all have by now figured out, the Chiefs did not win in, this, in the Super Bowl and uh, did not run it back, did not go back to back. So let's actually focus in on just the the shock of in terms of what happened in the game and and just how everything went down and Mitch I I just want to get your initial reaction as you're watching the game and seeing that lead just continue to grow for the Buccaneers yeah I mean I wasn't too worried at halftime whenever the Chiefs were down pretty big because we've seen this Chiefs team be able to come back and play you know and you know you know, be able to get back into these games down by double digits. But, you know, I will say after that first drive, it just felt a little bit different. You know, they were able to get that field goal, but it just seemed like it was like impossible to get there. And Mahomes was just like having to do everything by himself. Um, it just seemed a little different to me after that drive. I just kind of felt like our chances weren't very good. Uh, the Buccaneers just were playing great football. Um is everything that, that went wrong went wrong for the Chiefs. So it's just one of those games. It's hard to be too upset about it with, with how it went. But, uh, you know, it was a tough game. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to be able to use this as kind of motivation for the future that, hey, they're not unbeatable. Um, I think this game humbled them a little bit because I felt like they thought they were a little bit unbeatable going into this game. Like, hey, there's always a chance that we can come back or we're just going to come back because that's just, that's just what they do or what we do. Um, so I feel like, you know, they kind of like saw this game and like, oh man, like we can't like let this happen, you know, in the playoffs because like, we're going to go against good teams and aren't going to let you know let this big league go. Yeah, it was just as the game went on, it was that slow realization of it, it just kept getting more insurmountable, right? Until finally that last knockout blow and it was like, oh wow, okay, it, it's over now. And uh, it, it was weird. It was a very weird crashing down to earth feeling like, you know, we hadn't, you know, as a fan base had felt this way in a very long time. And, uh, it, you know, all those, it was like, oh yeah, this does suck. But um, 
you know, all things considered, man, you know, such a fun, you know, two, even really three year ride this team has, you know, been able to give us. And, and the team is by far from over. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the team responds. I mean, this team is one of the best chiefs, you know, squads ever bar none. Uh, one, this has been one of the greatest three year stretches that the organization has ever seen or will ever see. And, and I don't think it's over. I really don't. I think this is, you know, the book is not closed. The store, this is just a part of the story. This is, this, you know, it's, it's far from over and who knows, this might be just part one of the chiefs Tampa Bay playoff history. And, uh, yeah, the game, it stung. You know, it, it was hard to really comprehend seeing this team held out of the end zone and, and seeing, you know, just the complete opposite of everything that we thought they were and, and everything like that. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just – I'm looking forward to the next chapter. You know, it's like the way we're talking right now is if the dynasty is over. Uh, I still feel like this is probably the beginning, you know, in regards to the how efficient this team can really be. You have to see, like, obviously the main the main players will be back. You're going to have the same defensive coordinator. You're going to have the same offensive coordinator. So the same core is going to be there for the staff. I believe the only person lost will be the uh, running back coach. So you look at this team, and, and you can see them coming back next year and always competing for a title. The biggest thing that I look at is how this is going to affect just kind of like the aura that was like Patrick Mahomes in regards to how good he's been to start his career and how untouchable the offense has been. And will now, for example, Todd Bowles' defense, will, will it be the standard in regards to how to play the Chiefs? So, Talon, I'm going to throw this right back at you. Is there any fears that like maybe Todd Bowles was the first one to really figure out, you know, Mahomes and the uh, Chiefs' offense? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um... I think what it comes down to is like nothing taking zero away from Tampa Bay because they played an amazing game and they earned that victory and they are the Super Bowl champions, rightfully so. But it was you look at the offensive line, you and I'm not making excuses, but that played a part. And also the Buccaneers defense is ultra talented. Like that you're not gonna see a defense with that many playmakers on each level of the defense that often. And when you look at their um impending free agents, I'm pretty sure you know, Levante David's probably gonna be gone. Um you know, and Dominic Sue, I know he's kind of a year to year guy. Nobody really knows what he's going to do next. Um, so there's a lot of guys that they've relied on that you're not going to see a unit like that very often. And, it, and it's, it, it's a fantastic unit that the front office of Tampa Bay did a fabulous job of building that unit. And Todd Bowles is, is a great defensive coordinator. So it all glued together. And of course, Bruce Arians with the offense and Tom Brady, you know, the, the, the cast of characters that on the offensive side, it was just an amazing team. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of teams like that very often. So um, they did a great job. They they obviously used that defensive team to the best of their ability. And uh, but no, that you're not going to see that very often with a, with an offense like the Chiefs have with their playmakers. You're not going to see them fall apart like that very often. But uh, hats off to that defense. Yeah, I mean, just like what Talon said, I think Todd Bowles did do a great job. I don't think he necessarily, you know, found the secret to stopping this Chiefs offense. I think this everything that, you know, could go wrong went wrong for the Chiefs that game. Just, they just weren't on. People were dropping passes. The offensive line, which I'm sure we'll discuss later, was just awful. That was the worst game I think I've ever seen as a Chiefs fan, like, regarding the offensive line. Um, so I just think everything just kind of went wrong. And I think, you know, the Bucks just kind of came up, just showed up and played. And, uh, you know, they just made 
the more plays on defense. But, um, you know, we've seen Patrick Mahomes be able to, you know, beat these these coverages. And he's, he's beaten this type of coverage before. I just think that everything just went wrong with the drop passes, with the offensive line, just the team just not being on that day. But, uh, you know, uh, I'll give uh, Bowles a little bit of credit because he did have a good game plan and they caught them off guard. But I don't think if this is something that we can look towards in the future and, you know, I think Mahomes going to continue this continue to struggle. I do agree. And you guys uh, touched on the offensive line. It's no secret that the Chiefs were playing with a bunch of backups, uh, a bunch of guys that are kind of journeymen. And, and you know, this is what happens when the entire season is always a, a big name dropping from that offensive line. Uh, Eric Fisher was the uh, latest big name during the AFC title game. And uh, we saw the effects immediately. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I, I believe, stats-wise, is the most – pressured quarterback in Super Bowl history, which is incredible to think about all the other 54 Super Bowls that he had the most pressure on him throughout the, throughout the game. Um, Mitch, I just want to come back to you on this. Is this something that maybe the team has to really uh, put even more focus on in, in regards to the draft and even free agency to have some more depth at, at the offensive line? It's kind of a tough question because, like, the Chiefs did what they were supposed to do this last offseason when they came to offensive line. I mean, they had Mitchell Schwartz, who was an all-pro. is probably one of the best tackles in the league. Eric Fisher, who was a pro bowler this year. Like, you got two strong tackles. That's what you're supposed to have. Um, You know, of course, LDT opts out, which you can't hold that against them. You know, this is like once – this is like a crazy year. So, like, you know, and he got out for the greatest reason to help in the, you know, the medical field. So – um, you can't be upset with that. And then we had another rookie opt out. You know, if he was if he was playing, if he decided not to opt out, he definitely would have been one of our starting tackles probably in the Super Bowl. Um, Austin Ryder has been a serviceable center all season. We had uh, Osimile, who was playing really good before injury. You know, Rimmers honestly did a pretty good job all season until the Super Bowl. That was probably his worst game we've seen. Um, you know, I think he just doesn't show up in big games because he did the same thing with the uh, – with the uh, – Panthers a while back, so I don't know what's going on with that, but it looks like the Chiefs did their job for the most part in assembling an offensive line, and they did a good job. I just think the injuries just built up a little bit too much, and the stage was just too big for these backup offensive linemen. Um, but I think it's something they do need to focus on a little bit in the offseason just because, hey, they need that depth. Uh, we don't know what – we don't know if Mitchell Schwartz is going to be here next year. We don't even know if Fisher is going to be here next year. You know, there's been a lot of talks about, hey, moving on from these guys. What if they retire? Do we want to cut them to save cap space because cap space is going to be really diff, uh, really tight next season and the next couple seasons because all these big contracts are hitting. So we do need to get younger. We need to get some cheap contracts on the offensive line. So definitely something to focus on in the draft. Um, but if you're just talking about like skill wise, like, Hey, they just need to get better. I don't know if that's necessarily true because they did have the talent this year. Just everybody just kept getting hurt, but they're going to need to get younger and cheaper moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, the offensive line was a strength at one point, and then just everything that kind of happened throughout the season happened, and and uh, it ended in the Super Bowl, and, and unfortunately, they, the offensive line just, just couldn't take it anymore. It, it, you know, they got us as far as they could, and they, they just they just ran out of gas, and, um, you know, I'm not upset about the way they, you know, looked or, you know, played it. It, it was not fun to watch, but it's like, what do you expect? I mean, you're playing – probably the best defense in the league and uh and and you're rolling with duct tape and bailing wire like it's 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 kind of 
it's tough to say, but it's what else do you expect to happen? Uh, you know, and yeah, it's, it's tough pill to swallow, but man, when you're missing both your, both your starting tackles and, um, and you got, you know, three or four guys playing out of position and, and yeah, these guys are pros and, you know, obviously I've, I've talked up coach heck all year and, and they deserve that. But yeah, at some point just, there's just too much to overcome and, and that's what happened. And um, yeah, I, I do think that there should be, you know, a, a pick or two um, focused on the offensive line. I'd like to see a, a, a rookie center be brought in. I, I really would like to see, because when the chiefs have that solid center, you look at Rodney Hudson, Mitch Morse, uh, even all the way back to Casey Wigman, when they have that glue in the middle, everything else could just kind of falls into place. And obviously it helps when you have Mitchell Schwartz and, and, and Eric Fisher, but no, I want to see the, uh, the interior offensive line addressed. And yeah, we've got guys coming back. I think uh, Lucas Yang is going to be a good addition to this offensive line uh, when he, you know, is, is with the team. And um, I like, you know, you see Durant got some time. It, it wasn't the way we wanted it, but I think that's a guy to keep an eye on in the future. Um, and then, yeah, getting LTD back is going to be huge. Um and, uh, you know, and, and hats off to him for what he did this season. But looking forward to seeing him back in a Chiefs uniform. And, uh, yeah, just all that considered, I think the left tackle position is going to be a need because, yeah, with an Achilles injury, that could keep you out for a full calendar year, uh, you know, possible. So we're probably not going to see Eric Fisher suiting up at the beginning of 2021. So uh, that's something to think about. But, yeah, definitely uh, very important to get the offensive line as best as it can be because we want to make sure Patrick Mahomes stays healthy for as long as he can. That is definitely the goal. You want to keep Mahomes healthy and you want to keep him, uh, you know, just keep him up. I mean, we saw, I think really for the first time, what would happen if Mahomes doesn't really have time in the pocket and, uh, you know, seeing him run around basically running for his life for most of that second half was, was a uh, very different, you know, and, and it's something that, that needs to be addressed in regards to less well you know obviously getting guys healthy would be the number one goal but it was uh it was a tough watch for anybody that uh has watched the Chiefs all season and to see that happen in the Super Bowl was uh very different but let's look and, at the and, other- and Ed I do, I'm sorry not to interrupt or anything but I do just want to say one thing and um there it wasn't all excuse me it wasn't all the offensive line uh, you know, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, he is not above being coached. And, and there were moments in that game where he did feel a little pressure and he panicked and he probably bailed before he should have. Uh, and granted, he was, you know, like we said, he was pressured the most out of any quarterback in, in Super Bowl history. Uh, so, yeah, it, definitely most of those plays, he was doing everything he needed to do. But there were some times, and, and he, I've seen this in other games too, where he gets a little – little dancy in the pocket before he really needs to. And I, I think that's something I would look for him to work on in the off season and staying a little bit more stable in the pocket uh, before absolutely having to bail. And I, and I think that's actually a really good point, uh, talent. Um, however, I do think we need to get some, you know, some better talent in there. Like, yeah, maybe he is, you know, bailing a little bit too early, but I think, you know, just throughout that game, he just really lost trust in that offensive line. Because there were moments wherever, I mean, like you saw, I think it was Wiley and, um, oh, who was it? Wiley and Allegretti, I think, were, like, blocking each other. Um, like, that's just not a good look. I think the entire time Mahomes just felt like he had to do the thing. And I'm not saying you're wrong because, like, he, he definitely could be better. But I think we need to get some guys in there that he can trust that can get the job done. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, 100%. It'll definitely be a conversation by uh, – 
Brett Veach and Andy Reid and, and company during this offseason to see what they're going to do. And uh, obviously, like we were always talking about, Patrick Mahomes even says to himself, he's still getting better, still learning the position. So this is definitely going to be a learning experience. But uh, since we are talking about experience, we have to talk about Tom Brady. This was his 10th Super Bowl, and he, he won his seventh. He now alone, just, just Tom Brady alone, has more Super Bowl wins than the Patriots and the Steelers. So just that is mind-boggling enough. What did you guys see out of Tom Brady, which made him so effective against the uh, Chiefs defense? And, uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give Brady credit. Um, he, he played really well. He did what he was supposed to do. I mean, I don't think he really did anything world-breaking. Um, he had a couple of good throws. He had that one really good touchdown pass to Gronk um, where Gronk kind of takes Snead out and he turned around and, you know, caught it in the back of the end zone. Um, but he just did what he was supposed to do. Um, and I think for the most part, I think after that first half, the, the Chiefs defense was just kind of down on themselves. And um, the Bucks just kind of ran the ball and just played smash mouth football and the Chiefs just couldn't keep up. They just couldn't get the tackle. Um, it, it was very frustrating to watch as a Chiefs fan to see Brady be able to, you know, kind of do whatever he wanted to do in the backfield. Um, the Chiefs definitely didn't get enough pressure on him, and he just just did whatever he wanted. And then they, for the most part, I feel like he just kind of handed the ball off to Fournette, and they were able to do whatever they wanted on the ground, which is uh, frustrating to watch because I, I was really starting to believe that maybe this Chiefs defense was going to be a strength. But this Super Bowl kind of showed that, you know, it, it was a little bit of a weakness. Yeah, man, you know, I think it was just the confidence uh, is the biggest thing to me, it just, you know. And of course, he's been there so many times. He you know, he's he's so used to this, and and on top of that, you know, playing in your own home stadium, which has never happened before, and um, you know, which is wild. The the odds of that happening are you know crazy, but uh, it just so happened to be, you know, how the cards fell, and it just he he looked like someone who is the greatest of all time. He didn't look like a forty three year old quarterback. He, you know, he 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 looked the part, right? It's it's you know, he gets all this hate and. And, uh, and yeah, I, I've, I've in the past, man, I've hated on him and it's, but it's like, man, at what point do you just throw your hands up and say, you know what? The dude's earned it. Like you, there's not, he's got more Super Bowls than any, it's just, that's so, I can't even wrap my head around that thought, but it's, he's by not uh, bar none. There, there's none greater than Tom Brady. Uh, and, and it's just, he's earned it. There's no other, it's, there's no argument against it in my opinion anymore. It is mind-boggling to even just think about, you know, like, but hey, this is why they call him the GOAT, right? But uh, like I said, since we're staying with the Tom Brady topic, there were some questionable calls against the Chiefs defense that uh, got a couple of people on, not not a couple, but I would say every Chiefs fan pretty heated. And I, I'm curious to see what you guys thought about the different holding calls and, and pass interference that was called mostly in the first half. As we all, we all saw uh, Tyran Matthews' reaction to it, Talon, do you agree with the with the? It seemed like one-sided calls against the Chiefs in the first half. I mean, it seemed that way, but it just, I mean, it, they, the the Chiefs they were just getting penalized. I don't. I mean, it just sometimes that's the way the game is, and you know, I don't want to sit here and say it was a biased thing or whatever. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't think that stuff really happens. But you know. 
the Chiefs were playing aggressively and they were trying to play press coverage and really getting in people's faces. And, and you know, I think it was Romo who said continuously, whoever the, the commentator was, was, you know, the Chiefs do this all year, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, it is what it is. You know, the, you know, the Chiefs, it's, <laughs> in big games like that, you don't want to see games called that closely. You, you, there, want, there has to be an element of let them play, especially when both teams have gone through the gauntlet of the playoffs and now they're here in the Super Bowl. And it's, it's like you don't want games to be decided by the yellow flags. You want them to be decided on the field between the players. And, you know, unless the penalties are just completely egregious, okay, throw them. But yeah, just on the biggest stage, you're just – you would like to see – some of that cushion of, okay, you know, let's let that one go. I just, I feel like that wasn't happening. I mean, yeah, I agree with talent. It's frustrating. I mean, I'm not ever going to be the type of person that blames the game on the refs because, you know, the fact remains the Chiefs were committing those penalties. Um, it could have been ticky-tacky, but, you know, by textbook, you could consider them a penalty. So you can't really complain about it. I don't think the refs were just calling things to call things. Um, I mean, I think I saw a couple things on, like, Twitter and online that, you know, this this crew has called a lot of those penalties, you know, this season and on the Chiefs in the past. So, I mean, this isn't just, like, a one-time thing. It's happened in the past. Um, so, it's a little frustrating to see. It's a little frustrating to watch. But um, that's just kind of how the game played. And I'll never be the type of person that really blames it on the reps. But um, it's a little frustrating. It was, uh, it was frustrating to watch in regards to it did look like at one point every defensive play that was a big moment in the game was going against the Chiefs. It, it was just a uh, – it was mostly, I would say, the second quarter to where we saw all these issues. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs need to play better. And you can't and, – and I'm always under the belief that you can't give the refs a reason to want to blow the whistle against you or, or throw a flag, I should say. You know what I mean? You can't put yourself in that type of situation. But it happened. So, obviously, we, we talked about the defense and – one of the biggest things, and, and I brought Terry Matthews' um, name earlier, he had this big back and forth with Tom Brady a couple of times through the game. Uh, Matthew, after the game, tweeted saying that Brady had said some things that he can't repeat, and he deleted the tweet. Um, Brady said that he uh, reached out to, um, to Matthew to apologize. Do you guys feel like that's a big deal, the fact that it's being brought up still after the game? And, um, Talon, I actually want to start with you on this one because I know you do coaching. But do you feel like this is a, a big deal to still be talking about after the game? I mean, the, the fact that Brady felt the need to reach out um, and that it wasn't even really, you know, and I know there's a Super Bowl, there's celebration, but a lot of times that stuff gets squashed, you know, you know, during the interchange. But, you know, obviously that could not have happened. Maybe that didn't happen. So, you know, Brady reaching out, obviously there's something to it. Um, there's obviously he there's something he wants to, you know, feel like he, he was out of line about. but. You know, if it, I don't know. We're not on the field. We're it is an emotional game, right? Like this is an emotional game, and, and it's at this. It's not only is it in the professional level, it's at the highest level. You know, the biggest moment at that of that level. So, it's these guys make a lot of money, but man, they they put a lot, and and some of these or most of these guys put all of themselves into this sport. So. You know, yeah, I, that stuff happens every single game. And this one just, you know, is between two, you know, mainstays, two key players of, of the Chiefs and, and, the, and the Buccaneers. And obviously Tom Brady, you know, you don't – you know how competitive he is. And I don't know. I, I don't know how much there is to it. I, I think it might be one of those things that's just like, 
you know, let's handle it in-house. It's, it's, you know, this, we know how these things go. Let's just squash this and move on. And I don't know. I don't know how much of the story we're really going to get, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to say. We don't know what was said. Um, I don't think we'll ever really know unless something just gets leaked. Um, but, you know, I guess I'll give Brady a little bit of credit for, you know, you know, trying to come back after the whole Super Bowl thing and apologize to him. Uh, I think he called him a good leader and stuff. So I think it's kind of squashed now. I hope this doesn't really turn too much into a story because it just seems kind of, depending on what was said, it seems just kind of petty because, like, I feel like a lot of players talk crap on each other during the games and stuff. So, um Hopefully it wasn't anything too serious, but I guess we'll see in the future on what it is. I agree with both of you guys. It's like, you know, we see so much trash talking in every sport. And usually if it usually stays, you know, on the court or on the field. But the fact that it's kind of spilled over to like, okay, did you need to apologize to him? And then he said he said something that was, you know, they couldn't repeat. That's a lot. It, it, I feel like there's going to be more to the story that's going to come out later, as, as there always is in these types of situations. But now I do want to focus on something else that that kind of uh, threw me off. Tyreek Hill has such a huge game during the regular season. He struggled to um, not only, you know, not only was his uh, numbers low, but he struggled, it seemed like, throughout the game to kind of find some type of rhythm. What do you think the the, uh, Buccaneers did better defensively in the secondary to keep him under wraps? And uh, Mitch, I want to start with you on this. Well, it looked like the Chiefs often were trying to go deep, um, and I think they just kind of kept him from, you know, running down the field. It looked like they always had somebody just playing over him. Uh, they played a lot of cover three from what I've seen, uh, you know, online and, you know, what's been posted, like a, of an aerial thing. They just did a really good job of containing him, not allowing him to have those big plays. And, um, and I think Tyreek just didn't have a big game in general. He had a couple – he had that one drop in the end zone. Granted, it was a little bit of a tough catch, but you kind of expect Tyreek Hill – to uh, come down and get that ball. Um, it was just a tough game. I think they kind of saw his speed and they're like, okay, we're not going to allow this guy to beat us. Uh, we're going to make sure, you know, Tyreek Hill isn't going to run, I mean, uh, get 200 receiving yards. So I think they just focused in on him a lot and just made sure that he wasn't able to have a big game. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Buccaneers just did everything they could to not allow, you know, Hill and Kelsey to, to beat them. And really, you look at those two guys and their, their stat lines are you know pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, they just, the Buccaneers did, did a fantastic job of, of keeping the, um, the pressure on Mahomes and, and, and making sure that those, those improv yards, you know, that, that you see so much from Kelsey and, and Hill, um, those, you know, those, when Mahomes is sprinting out and, and getting outside the pocket and those, you know, those, those miraculous plays, those weren't happening. Uh, you know, there was so little time for Mahomes to do stuff. And I think, that was throwing off the timing between Hill and Kelsey and, and, you know, now, you know, yeah, both of those guys were getting double teamed most of the game. So now you're having to shake two guys instead of, you know, there's just so much. The Buccaneers just did a great job. And I, and I think it all just boils down to that. I definitely agree with that. It was a, uh, a better effort in regards to just seeing where the chief star guys were. They, they made sure from the beginning, they wanted to limit, how effective they were going to be. They didn't want to catch some, they were to make some catches, but they wanted to limit how effective they could be. And obviously keep them out of the end zone is the best thing that you could do. Now I, I want to play, I, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to call this a game, but I, I do want some quick answers on this. I, I'm going to name three players and you're going to let me know if the chiefs are going to keep them or let them go. Okay. Like they, they probably played their last game as a chief. 
uh, during the Super Bowl or during the playoffs in general. All right, the first name I'm going to throw out there is uh, Le'Veon Bell. Talon, do, are they, do you keep Le'Veon Bell or you just let him go? No, nah, you let him go. Uh, I'm not even sure if he really got any major touches in the game. So, no, nah, it was a fun signing. It was a fun thing to see Le'Veon Bell in his uniform. But, no, nah, I think that's someone you cut ties with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have plenty of talent at the running back position right now. I know uh, you got to figure out what we're doing with Daryl. And I think uh, – I don't know if Darwin is uh, a free agent or not this season, but, you know, we still have him. I think Clyde's our future. So we just kind of focus on Clyde and we find these, you know, late-round draft picks or even on draft free agents just kind of come in and be the backups. The Chiefs have had success with that. Success with that. So uh, let's not keep a veteran in there that, you know, could possibly find his way on another team or it's just a waste of a roster spot, in my opinion. All right, sounds like Le'Veon Bell is gone. All right, the next player, I want to switch over to the defensive side, Javarius Ward. Mitch, are you keeping him or are you letting him go? Yeah, I, I think we keep Ward. We've seen Ward improve every year. Um, I know he's always going to, you know, have those mistakes. He's always going to, you know, maybe – let up a, a big touchdown or something like that. But I think we've just seen him improve every year. Um, I don't think he'll be getting a huge contract from another team. I think the Chiefs I, I think the Chiefs will be able to afford him. Um, but we've seen this guy improve every year, like I just said. Um, it's just hard for me to see the Chiefs letting him go just because – I don't really know what else to say, just because he's just improved. <laughs> I know I keep repeating myself, but uh, the guy just keeps getting better. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, he's someone you want to keep around. And, and uh, being a restricted free agent, the odds of that happening are, are a little bit higher. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to have 32 te- or 31 teams knocking on his door. And, and, you know, someone has to offer that, that, uh, that, that sheet to, to get to, you know, talk to him and stuff. So no, I think he's someone you keep around. He's a young talent. He's, he's struggled mightily, but I think if you build the secondary a little bit, um, especially that cornerback room, I think he's someone that can still help you. You just, you might want to lessen the role. I'm actually a little surprised that you guys said to keep, especially with the way uh, Legereus Sneed has played. Um, you know, you also think about the possibilities of what DeAndre Baker could bring, you know, once he's healthy. So I'm a little surprised that you guys said to keep uh, Javarius Ward, but uh, I yeah, I, I I think it's more just you know, are you are, are you going to bring someone in that that is that much better? Um, you know, you can, you can never have that you know too many cornerbacks, and he's not terrible. You know, he he I think he helps way more than he hurts. So um, it's it's someone you want to keep around for now at least. You know, I'm not saying give him a seven year contract, but you know, you want to see what happens. Okay. All right, so my, my last player I'm going to throw out there, and I feel like we had this conversation last year, but uh, Sammy Watkins. Talon, are you keeping him around again, or, or was this it for uh, Sammy Watkins? Yeah, I think this, this was it. You know, Sammy's he's done big things for the, for the Chiefs, and he, he was a, a major player for, for a little bit. He just he gets hurt too often, uh, and really, where was he on Sunday? Like, he should have been the the go to. You know, they knew we everybody knew that Kelsey and Hill were going to be, you know, the, the the focal points of the defense. So Sammy Watkins was, you know, it, and I know the timing with the the offensive line. But man, I really thought Sammy was going to show up, and he he didn't. Um, so yeah, for me, 
it's it's time to see Sammy move on. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, the dude is always hurt. Um, you know, I don't think he's, you know, wanting to stay out on purpose, but, you know, the fact still remains that he's just never on the field, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and his discussion is, hey, this guy's supposed to be big in the playoffs. Like, yeah, he may not be around for for the regular season, but, hey, man, once the playoffs starts, he's going to have those big games like we're used to. And he just didn't play in the first two rounds. Um, and then he didn't show up in the Super Bowl. Granted, the Super Bowl, like I said, was just a dumpster fire the entire time of the offense. So I don't want to put too much stock in on that. But, you know, the fact still remains that he didn't have that big game. Um, and he wasn't really around for the Chiefs' first two playoff games. And he wasn't really around during the regular season. So he's just such a big cap, cap hit to have. So it's just might as well have somebody else there. Rather, it's two or three guys, uh, you know, if they're just, you know, late round draft picks, just making the roster being special teams guys, at least they're available and they're playing instead of just being on the injured reserve or just, you know, on the sideline. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. Uh, Sammy Watkins, great run, but uh, this is it. You know, I was actually a little surprised when they had brought him back to beginning at the beginning of this season. But uh, I, I think uh, I don't see him surviving another year or being offered another contract that would even want him would make him want to stay. So it'll be uh, very interesting. All right, guys, this is the uh, season finale of our third season of the Chiefs Wire podcast, and uh, I just want to get you guys final thoughts on just the uh, the year that was. Uh, Mitch, I want to start with you. Um, it always feels like a failure, um, especially losing in the Super Bowl. Uh, if you don't win it, I mean, losing a Super Bowl just makes it worse, especially when it's a Tom Brady. But um, I still think Chiefs fans should stay positive. Like, Mahomes is still a very young quarterback. He's going to be around for the next decade at least. Um, so there's still a lot of optimism. Um, I still think there's a chance that he can surpass Brady as they go if he surpasses him in Super Bowls and stuff like that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Um, so I'm going to take an optimistic look for the future, and I'm excited to see what this team looks like next season. I think they'll be right back in the Super Bowl for years to come. So it'll be it'll be a fun it's it's a fun time to be a Chiefs fan. So there's no reason you know to look down at this season and you know be disappointed or or be upset about it. Yeah, um, exactly. This is this is just the beginning, in my opinion. Um, right now, they're not back to back champions. But if that's the biggest gripe that we have as Chiefs fans, that oh, we didn't win a back to back, we're doing pretty good. Um, you know, it, it was, what, about 10, 10 years ago when the Chiefs won two games and had the first overall pit. You know, we're a far cry from that, folks. You know, it's, it's, this, this has been a crazy decade for the Chiefs to see where, you know, where they started in 2011, 2012, and, and where they are now in 2021. Um, there's no reason to think that they're not going to be the favorites of the AFC next year or the year after. Uh, you know, the glue, the foundation is there, Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, you just have to you have to build up the offensive line. You have to continue to to, to develop weapons around him. Um, you know, you, you you the hardest part is is uh is filled in. You know, your your QB, who's who's your franchise guy. That part's figured out. Now you just have to make sure that everything else stays on the level that he he deserves. So, um, looking forward to a long, long ride of Patrick Mahomes uh, and elite Chiefs football. I agree with both of you. I feel like this team has such a bright future and 
you know, it's just, uh, it is so, it's a weird way to end the year, but it was also a, a wake up call that the league is watching and the league is, is, is evolving as much as they can. And that, uh, you have to always keep evolving. Even when you feel like you're at the elite, you're, uh, you feel like you're top tier, you still have to keep working and, uh, finding new ways to win. So I feel like that was the wake up call for everybody and especially Chiefs fans is that, you know, the work never ends. It just never ends. You're never a perfect, uh, you're never a perfect, uh, you know, figure out there. You always have to keep changing and keep evolving with the time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to Mahomes and, and company running it back again for another Super Bowl. Um, before we uh, sign off, I, I do want to acknowledge the fact that uh, we lost uh, two people recently that are very connected with the Chiefs franchise. Uh, Yahoo Sports national NFL writer, Therese Paler, who uh, covered the Chiefs. Um, he passed away recently, 37 years old. You know, our condolences out to his family. And uh, also uh, legendary coach, Marty Schottenheimer of the Chiefs. He uh, passed away as well. So uh, just condolences out to, to his family. And, uh, and you know, this is a, uh, it's, a, it's a tough time for everybody. And, uh, you know, for us, this is obviously our last show for the season. And I just want to say uh, for Mitch and Talon, uh, both of you guys are a pleasure to work with for this season. And uh, just, uh, just a great time overall. Hey, same to you, man. I appreciate every, you know, I know we all work hard on this and um, I, we all have a hand in the success of this show. And I, I love working with both of you guys. And it's, it's been a wonder. I look forward to working with you guys soon. Yeah, I think this podcast has definitely made this season, you know, special in its own way. I think this is my first year doing, you know, the, uh, the round table in a full season. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I would rather do it with any other guys. Definitely. Mitch, uh, I will officially say that you are Rookie of the Year. Okay? So I hope you uh, you acknowledge that. Uh, thanks. I'll take it. That's <laughs> the, the rookie. <laughs> You're no longer a rookie. And we'll see what, happened next, what happens next year. You know, there will definitely be a Chiefs Wire podcast. Uh, once again, it's an offseason. You never know what's going to happen. But um, it, like I said, I enjoyed every bit of this uh, past season. And uh, we'll see what happens in the future. So um, for the last time this season, I'm Eddie Easton Jr. for Talon Graph, Mitch Carney. Take care, Chiefs Kingdom, and look forward to a great next season. When you step across the white stripe, the only thing that matters is that six inches between your backbone and your breastbone. Raise your eyes up. Right above is the next rung. Reach out and grab that rung. Pull yourself. Push your buddy. The next rung is today. Let's go. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. This is a game of the heart. A game of being a man. Let's go. Do not underestimate the power of the human will. Light the ignition. Let's get this rocket ship going up now. Those two little letters, W-E-We. Those two little letters, U-S, us. They're powerful. They're powerful. Great job. That's it. I like the character of this football team. Because I'll tell you what, guys. When you get your back in a corner and people start looking left and right, 
All you gotta do in this locker room is look at one another. Let's build our house. Let's go. Focus and finish. Boat's loaded, man. Let's roll. Let's go, everybody up. We know the strength. The strength of this team is this team. We're going to eight and one. Mile marker nine. We started at the beginning with one phrase: focus, finish. Let's go. You guys stood tall. You reached down in the inner part of your gut and you did what had to be done. And I want to tell you something, guys. When you do that, there ain't nobody can ever take that away from you because you did it. And I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Hello? this miss harris this is she how are you i'm great how are you doing oh fantastic i mean two years in a row i i, I feel like it's my time and i'm not even playing <laughs> right right i uh, i hope that you and tony and the girls and everyone are, are doing well uh with the pandemic thank you and everything um thank you, know. you and back to you and yours as well i mean we're we're hanging in there best we can everybody is right right Right. You know, we uh, we persevere. <laughs> that we do. Yes. I'm just wondering, I mean, within the context, knowing that you have two young daughters, I mean, how important is it to you to see that happening uh, at, at the NFL's biggest stage? Representation is always important. And, you know, to see women rising competitively in any field is important. But when you have one that's so dominated by men because of the nature of who plays the sport, um, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting to see someone who has such passion that she would hang in there and get to the top. And this is to play in a Super Bowl game anywhere on the field. So when I say play in, I mean officiating. I consider that part of the game. Right. First of all, you don't even have on gear, and you see officials. You see the referees get hit all the time. So I got mad respect for these people who are who are just down, just mad respect for them who are just down on the field and and they're not padded up and so on and so forth. But but they're making decisions that affect the game, and I'm super excited for all of those women to have gotten to a point where they feel like uh, they can make dreams come true and create legacy paths for other young women to follow, whatever those roles might be. So, you know, I, I mean, my girls, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that they see a strong woman every day bringing it for her own dreams. And they never got to see that before because I didn't take my kids to the studio and sit them down while I was on the air. I think they've only visited maybe once or twice at ages that they would even remember. And just the nature of my job, they're always in school or whatever. And the news is hard, you know, the news isn't a picnic. But now that they've gotten older, uh, my youngest is 11 in sixth grade, Danica, competitive gymnast. And she she loves, like, she's my little assistant some days with my scripts and things because it's just, I mean, we're in lockdown basically for our house. We can't have, like, crews coming and everything. We have one designated photographer who um, comes masking and all that kind of stuff. And so she'll come down and play the role of my assistant. And so she gets to see someone who has that passion. And when I started 20-plus years ago in the business, there were far more many men than there were women in prominent roles in television news. So it takes a lot of 
intestinal fortitude and stick to and I'm glad these women are doing it in the NFL. I think that's fabulous. Right. Um, so moving on a little bit here, I I just want to know I, on a macro level here because you you cover you know political climate, the civil unrest related to racial injustice, the COVID nineteen pandemic. I mean, just how important was it that the NFL, being as popular as it is, were able to complete their season and, and do it flawlessly without having to cancel the game? Well, I mean, there were some outbreak situations that they had to align themselves with for, you know, to, to take into account, but they did it beautifully. I mean, uh, so I wouldn't say it was flawless, but I would say that their execution of what they needed to do was flawless. Um, it wasn't easy. And I've talked with coaches and players, and I know it wasn't easy. And, you know, your your mindset, I remember when Patrick Mahomes thought, well, just recently, the barber who was going to cut his hair was around some other players and they, they, you know, got him out of the way of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, apparently, <laughs> because I, I mean, I don't know if that barber wasn't tested. I don't know what the story was, but little things happen like that. And the NFL has been, and the NBA, I mean, there've been other sports that have been really good about bringing us some entertainment at a time when, that distraction was so needed. It's something that we all can agree upon. Um, you know, mixing in politics and, and the cultural and justice, if you will, pathway journey that we've had uh, in 2020 and now on into 2021, those things don't just go away. You know, we're still talking about what happened on May 25th. It hasn't been a year yet since the death of George Floyd. So there's a lot going on, and I think for the NFL to play a role in just doing what it can do, it is the only place in the world where you can see that level of football. They're, they're the only ones doing it. And so when you're the only game in town like that and you bring your game, that's a blessing to the fans and I think to the country. It's, it's an all-American sport, so it's pretty cool. And I'm grateful to them for giving us a season as a fan and as a parent for, because I have an athlete in my family for encouraging those of us who are raising kids who love sports to, and both my daughters do. My, my older daughter is a great tennis player. She's just not competitive yet. Um, but, you know, we have to find ways to keep our kids on the court in any way, shape, or, or the field or whatever it is. And throughout the pandemic, to see the pros do it, it was, you know, frustrating at times when we were completely shut down. But now that things have opened up a little bit in New Jersey, we can participate with a lot of buy-in from fellow parents and, and student athletes. Um, but it's nice to have that example that it can be done. And when it's done well, you get a Super Bowl with your chief in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the last time we spoke, you had uh, outnumbered and outnumbered overtime, but now yeah. the Faulkner focus. Uh, I had a little pregame. You know, you got to warm it up. So, I mean, can, can you tell me a bit about your newest show here? I, I can. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about right now because uh, you talk about those six women in the NFL. I'm, you know, a, a woman of color in the daytime with your name on a show. And I'm humbled by that. 
I really am. And the success of Outnumbered has just been mind-blowing. So without Outnumbered Overtime, I wouldn't have the Faulkner focus. I mean, I, I had to perform there. Um, but without Outnumbered, I'd have neither one. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on Cable's number one talk show at noon Eastern. But the Faulkner focus is a vision that I had about what I thought was missing over the last year, certainly the last six months. And that is a place for people to know that their voices aren't just welcome at the table, but they're necessary. And I in no way, shape, or form ever intended to ignore 74-plus million people who didn't vote for President Biden. Um, but not ignoring them isn't the same as hearing them and listening to them. And that was my goal. And so each day, I want people who supported whomever they did to know that there's representation. That's an important word in my world, particularly as a woman of color, because I know that that's what brings success. When you have representation of not just skin color or faith or whatever it is, but diversity of thought and life experience and roads to success that are all different. When you bring all of that to the table and visions for, visions plural for the, the way forward for this country, we need everybody, especially right now. Look at how challenged we are with the pandemic. And you lay that on top of so many things that we face this year as a nation. And, you know, I grew up military brat. My dad taught me as a fighter pilot, he said, you always want to hear from your total squadron, all of your troops, before you're really mission ready. And you really want to hear from the ones you don't agree with and those who don't resemble you. Because great Great decisions and great ideas come from outside you. If you don't have all the answers, where do you think you're going to get some from? Certainly not people who think just like you do or who only have your experience. You need everybody. So I try to do, I don't try. I execute three things every day with every story that goes into the Faulkner Focus. And my team knows it. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it now? True and necessary, we all get that. But the now is important, too, because I don't want to waste anybody's time with stuff that doesn't matter. Um, so I'm excited. I really am. I'm, I, when I get up in the morning, I have renewed vigor, vigor after all of these years doing television journalism because I think this is the time for us to mean it in journalism when we say we want to give a voice to the voiceless. This is the time when we must mean what we say when we say we want to gather the facts. That's fine. I say I want the truth, which are the facts with context and perspective. And I have to mean that and walk that walk. I'm ready. I got, I got my six cents Louboutins on. <laughs> For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.